Hello and welcome to this episode of Radio Free HPC. This is where we talk about supercomputing, high-performance computing, and other technology topics. I'm Dan Olds, joined as always by my co-hosts Henry Newman from Seagate Government Solutions and Shaheen Khan from Orion X. Now let's get to the show. Hello and welcome to another fantastic episode of Radio Free HPC. I'm Dan Olds, as always, and we have Henry Newman and Shaheen Khan, also as always. How you doing, guys? Good, thank you. How are you, Dan? I'm okay, I guess. Thank you. Thank you for asking. How nice of you. How's the heat wave, Henry? Uh, not yet. Tomorrow, 105, 106? Somewhere around there, you know? It's going to be bad. For how long? Uh, 24 hours, they're saying. Excessive heat. Nice. Well, stay cool. Well, you I deserve will. that. I mean, it's just a... Uh, a glimpse of Christmas future for you, Henry. <laughs> you better not let your wife see what the heat's going to be like in your retirement home. Yeah, but the humidity is really high here. It's 27% in in That's in Messia, so it's a little bit different. Yes, that will make a big difference. Speaking of big differences, our pals at Hyperion gave one of their semi-annual HPC market updates at ISC, and I unfortunately could not attend in person, but there's a pretty good article about it. And man, we're in the glory days of HPC, according to the Again. numbers. Wow. Well, the HPC market has always been like the bond market, right? It just gently rises regardless of anything. It's a little more than gentle here. I mean, they've, uh, they've updated their five-year forecast by about 12%, 13%, expecting the market to reach... 44 billion in five years as opposed to 39 billion in five years so does this mean that this whole ai enterprise thing is now fueling it beyond what traditional hpc would otherwise do is that what we're saying well according to them it looks like we're sort of hitting on all cylinders is that regular hpc server market rose 15 percent to a record 13.7 billion in 2018 and it's expected to go up another a little over six billion in five years to almost twenty billion. So from thirteen billion last year in two thousand eighteen to an estimated twenty billion in five years. That's a big increase in any any and that's aspect for of servers. Any well, that's for servers over five hundred thousand. So that which has is to be all incredible. AI then. Uh, I'm not going to say it's all AI because according to them. An awful lot of this is just your regular meat and potatoes HPC system. But the growth, if it's in the high end, that means it's either the exascale race or AI. So maybe those are the two yeah. engines of the growth. That makes I think, sense. I think that makes sense. I think that's the way it looks. But it's really astounding, this kind of growth. It is astounding, yeah. Yes. Well, exascale is just big ticket items. So that can move the market quite substantially. HPC and enterprise fueled by AI is obviously happening. We talked about it with the Ray HPE deal. And I think the rest kind of falls out of that. Storage has to keep up. Networking has to keep up. New processors are coming. The part that I liked, speaking of new processors, was just process of heterogeneity, as the label says. That x86 architecture will obviously remain dominant, and it is continues to be the vast majority of the top 500, but you're also going to see a lot of other CPUs and chips. You're going to see ARM, and I think the, the big horse race over time where we're going to see the most competition is in the accelerator segment. 
That's right. Uh, I, I don't agree, don't? but nope. I think over time, we've gone to open source software. I believe we're going to open source hardware in the future, and I believe it'll be RISC-V. Not in the next two years, but maybe in the next five years. Well, that kind of lines up with what I just said, that I expect there's going to be a lot of competition in accelerators, and you can certainly use RISC-V as an accelerator like the Europeans oh, are. Oh, correct. But I think it's more, it become more generalized. I think the comment is there's going to be specialized processors around the x86 core processor. Yes. Or that instruction set or a core processor whether it's arm or amd or whatever yeah. but i think the, the specialized processors the risk five is a good example and we've gone to open source software i foresee the future is open source hardware so variations on risk five for instance variations on other assist processors that sort of thing right so you have risk five where it's in integer oriented rather than integer and floating point. A RISC V that is stronger vector but might not have a shaw part of the processor. If you look at the Intel x86 processor, they've got AES instructions, they can do shaw, they have all these other algorithms in there. And I think those kinds of things will be separated off for those who need it rather than in every processor and every core. Because it's a lot of real estate, it's a lot of power, and you might or might not need it. Yes. Well, the other thing is new architectures. Things like novel ways of partitioning and connecting things together. Novel ways of putting processing closer to memory. Maybe even go all the way to processor in memory, like it's been talked about for a long time. Yep. Just kind of unlimited memory, unlimited addressable memory that is also persistent. What does that do? However, having said all of that, anything new is going to take decades to really show up. Uh, the thing with open source software is that the execution on it is spread around a lot yes. more. With, with chips, there are not that many fabs out there that can go to the right feature size, and execution becomes the big issue. And the price for that, uh, open source software is yeah. almost zero cost to experiment with. Open source hardware, a bit more expensive. Somebody's got to get some skin in the game. I don't disagree with that statement, mm -hmm. but there are many applications that are coming up that will benefit from it. And I'll give it one example that I think is really critical is autonomous vehicles. If you could do autonomous vehicles with open source hardware, you have a processor that's optimized for LiDAR and another core that's optimized for radar and another core that's optimized for something else. And you can have verification with those open source tools that you're not building yourself for your own specific chip there's some big advantages there sure. guys and gene I, I, I in general i would say you're right that it's going to be longer time but i think they can pull this off within five years well i think so too automakers got deep pockets and they can certainly yep. afford to do this yep and the potential volume yes you got to include in there all the chip design software things like Cadence, Synopsis, Mentor, Siemens. And there's really precious few open source alternatives, if any. GIMP. No, no. And... You get you get open source verification tools with RISC-V. It's all part of the deal we do. And you've got GIMP out there, Shaheen, for, dra <laughs> for tracing out the board. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about circuit design and simulation, electronic design automation, those three, those oh, three software different. packages that I talked about are very much an integral tool in doing this, and they're far from open source, let's say. They're pretty pricey. 
to kind of summarize this from what we're seeing here, the um, predictions from Hyperion, there's going to be plenty of money sloshing around in HPC to fund some of these projects. Indeed, yes. And that's a great thing, I think. We're going to see more innovation. There was another line that run a survey of their base, and three-quarters of the respondents had said that they expected NVIDIA to face significant competition in the next four to five years. I actually think that'll be earlier than next four to five years, but we'll see. They're very strong indeed. I think so too. I think RISC-V is the first competitor, and uh, we'll see how successful that is in the European project. Thank you, Dan, for Uh, agreeing with me. You know, you could have disagreed with him and then said what he said. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, you, you could. And you've done that. You've both done that before, that I completely disagree with you. Then you restate what I said. That's, that's what you think. That's it's a, fine. <laughs> it's a great move. It's a great move. Hey, do you guys hear that off in the distance? Well, that's the sound of a boat and a buoy and a reel. And that means that it's time for the You know, Dano, the, the fact catch that the week. you have to describe that's the sound of a boat probably is a problem, I right? <laughs> Yeah, it could be a bad uh, special effect mixing on my part. <laughs> but that's beside the point. You're stuck with it. So who's got a catch of the week? I do. Henry, what do you got? I, I, it's more of a prediction. Who breached who? <laughs> it's, well, actually, that's actually a good point. Yes, it was. Google got breached with a supply chain hack with some software. And I predict, this is a prediction, that there will be a new emphasis in the next 12 to 18 months on supply chain discussions, hardware and software that will come out of bodies that produce standards such as ISO and NIST. Hmm. We should do an episode just on that. We've brought up supply chain security several times on this show. The NIST article that we both looked at some time ago has a lot of very good work there. It is just a really big deal. And I am so glad that it is hopefully being better recognized. Now, recognized and people doing anything about it are two different things, Shane. Just FYI. Oh, well, so, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. The 12-step program is next, right? Supply chain. First admit you have a problem. Program. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so Shaheen, you got a catch? So Sir Johnny Ive, Apple's chief design officer, will depart the company later this year Whoa. to form an independent design company. However, he will continue to work with Apple. So they're basically going to have him as a consultant and they're going to save on his retirement and health benefits cost? Well, you know, I don't think he's <laughs> I don't think he's too concerned with that. Uh, but there were a couple of jokes on Twitter that were interesting. One of them is my own, which I said I've quit. Johnny Ive, I've quit. Good one. And then the other one is that he continues to work with Apple, but he needs a different adapter. Ah, <laughs> a contract reference adapter. to all the dongles that you have to use on macbook pro boy even the apple jokes are really funny <laughs> dan i didn't i didn't laugh either maybe we're just you know because we're not the hip we, kid yeah we never were but ne- we never were dan no what can i tell you you guys are pc people let me tell you something that is very cool first of all do any either of you have any desire to have a smart light bulb mm, yes actually they sell them I'd prefer a smart, not the bulbs, but I'd prefer a smart... Fixture. Fixture rather than light bulb, but, you know, you get what you can get sometimes, Dan. I would prefer a smart fixture as well, although I don't really have the need for one. But here's a guide in case you decide to buy a General Electric smart light bulb. Here's how you do a factory reset. Tell me, Dan. Quote, one, turn on for eight seconds. Two, turn off for two seconds. 
Three, turn on for eight seconds. Four, turn off for two seconds. Five, turn on for eight seconds. Six, turn off for two seconds. Seven, turn on for eight seconds. Eight, turn off for two seconds. Nine, turn on for eight seconds. Ten, turn off for two seconds. Then 11, just turn it on and you're in heaven, baby. You have a simple 11-step process that needs to be, I think, probably pretty rigorously timed to get that light bulb to reset. Boy. Well, a, ch- a child can do that. A in child fact, a can child do that. often does do that by yeah. just turning it on and off all the time. Yeah, but no, no, but the eight and two is a big difference. <laughs> the eights and the twos are very and, uh, important. It would, be, it would be very interesting to know what the variance is allowed within each of the sequences. Uh, are you on yes. seven and 1.3? Or do you have to do, you know, or is it 8.2 and 2.4? Yeah, I don't, I don't see this happening, buddy. I'm going to do a quick check. They ain't cheap. That's what I want to see. Anywhere I'm seeing the lowest price at 17 on up through 36. Nice. Oh, okay. uh, the Wi-Fi color bulb, 36 bucks. What a bargain. Yeah, that's the one. That's the one I'd seen, but it was a couple of years ago. Yeah, that's uh, free shipping, but quite the bargain. Uh, but you know, Dano, they are coming, and they are trying to integrate them with your smart door lock so that you open the door, and depending on the time and the light outside, the light automatically goes on. So you can do automations like that. Boy, uh, what a, a big thing. time saver that'll be. Wow. I just, I can't wait to live in that world where I don't have to reach out two feet from my front door and turn on that light and not even know how many watts I'm putting out. Well, I have no, I have your no hands control. are occupied with the luggage and the grocery shopping that you've done. And I have no control over the lumens either. <laughs> I want total lumen control. Well, you can always get the clapper. That was the original IoT device. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's a good idea. Clapper. And let's let's end on that note. The clapper is the first IoT device. <laughs> Thank you, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back at you again with another episode of Radio Free HPC. Have a great week. Clap on, clap off. Thank you for listening to this episode of Radio Free HPC. And as a quick note, the views and opinions of Henry Newman are his and do not reflect any policy or position of Seagate Government Solutions or Seagate Technology. Thank you for listening.